Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Dear Holy Spirit, come into our hearts and apply in our minds so that we can hear your word clearly. Teach us to learn your ways and put them into action. Encourage our faith and strengthen our will. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from Genesis, chapter 11, verse 6, New Revised Standard Version. And the Lord said, Look, they are one people, and they all have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I had the thought, thinking about uh, uh, Pastor Josh, uh, on his second Sunday of this series, um, coming up here and saying, you came back, <laughs> right? I kind of felt like I needed to say, and this is what happens to somebody who preaches day, Sunday in and Sunday out. You get, you lose your hair, you, you know, you look older, you know. Anyways, I, I will not be climbing on any tables, chairs. Um, I, I think, you know, I have the, um, enough charisma to have like one picture that'll come up later, um, you, you know, because that's my engagement in preaching. I mean, it's been wonderful. I hope you're laughing. I, it's been wonderful to have uh, Josh on staff. Um, and it's been wonderful uh, to hear as he um, put together this series. The truth of the matter is that he has his fingerprints on all the series that we do. Um, uh, Josh and I are, uh, I've always been this way with associate pastors, um, that uh, pastoral power is flat. Um, and that uh, together uh, we lead. Um, and it's been wonderful uh, to benefit from uh, his different perspective um, and his different gifts and talents. Um, as I joked before, he left me the title and the scripture passage, but not the manuscript. And so um, I'm going to uh, expand that just a little bit by uh, reading um, a little bit more of Genesis 11. I, I know this is an audible and I'm, you know, Jake, you're good, don't worry, uh, say right where you are. And so Genesis 11, ooh, and that's the King James, which is wonderful at times, but <laughs> not for right now. Let's see. All right, this will work better. Um, so this is NIV, actually. Now, the whole world had one language and common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people's speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face 
of the whole earth. May God add his blessing to the hearing, the reading, and the living of his holy word this day. So um, Josh started this sermon off with a really interesting idea. Uh, He mentioned it last week. He said, in a world uh, where we have an all-knowing Google, why do we need an all-knowing God? Now, I was shocked to find out upon uh, Googling, um, (laughs) the irony there, right? (laughs) On Googling uh, Google and God, to find out that there is a whole group of people who have proved the existence of God because they think it's Google. It's called the Church of Googleism. <laughs> Don't go wandering, that's all I have to say. Uh, but it's, it's a powerful thing to think about a world where um, we don't have to wait for an answer. Now, the answer may, all, may not always be good, but there's an answer that we could find in seconds. Did you know Google does 65,000 searches every second? And if you compound that for a while, uh, you've got three and a half billion search requests per day or 1.2 trillion searches per year. It's an amazing volume of information moving through. Uh, it was interesting, the PageRank, which is the algorithm that uh, Google originally set up on, uh, it was owned by Stanford um, in terms of the copyright and license. Um, do you know how many shares Google spent uh, to buy the license back exclusively? Like 1.2 million shares of Google. That's amazing to think about. Uh, Google's first office space was a rented garage in Menlo Park, California. If any of you have a startup, I've got a great garage, would be happy to rent it out to you. They now have 50 offices that are spread all over, I'm sorry, Google has more than 70 offices spanning across 50 countries. Did you know that Google's homepage is translated into, uh, I think it's like 100 languages, and those languages include pirate and Klingon, And hacker, I'm serious, you go to the preferences and you can find a place for all, and Pig Latin as well, Pig pig Latin. (laughs) Google Translate um, supports over 100 languages, more than any other tool. Google Street View, the the kind of favorite feature of Google Maps that has the panoramic views of many popular streets, streets of the world. I like Google um, uh, Street View because when the bishop calls and appoints me to a new place, I no longer have to drive however many hours it is right then before I call back and say, yeah, we'll we'll go there. Um, Now you just do Google Street and you're like, yeah, no. Mm -mm." (laughs) Just kidding. I haven't gotten a call in seven years. Um, I think they've forgotten my number, which it's okay with me. I don't know. (laughs) Um, but uh, the cars that Google used to make those panoramic mu- mu- um, views um, have driven more than 5 million miles. And that was in 2012. I mean, it's easy to think that, I mean, Google is everywhere. With Wi-Fi, it's everywhere. With data plans, it's everywhere. Now with uh, uh, Siri and uh, uh, the Google Assistant, does it have a name? I can't remember. Alexa? I thought that was Amazon. Okay, it's amazing, right? I'd love to get one of each of the devices and ask them to talk to each other and then see what happens, right? Um, But it it is an amazing thing. I mean, I remember those days when all you had was the radio stations in your car at the point of a stoplight. 
You, you could just listen to radio, and it was only so many radio stations. Some of you remember this as well, right? Now, when you pull up to a stoplight and you look over, someone's checking their texts, right? Like, it's a crucial thing, right? I mean, you never know when Wayfair's gonna ding you and you need to know what's going on, right? It's amazing, this kind of, um, a, a generation that lacks the understanding of what boredom means. Um, some would say that Google knows more about you um, than your mother does. Um, you can actually go into the advertising setting, uh, ad, ad settings underneath your account, and it'll give all the descriptors that Google thinks that you are based upon what you search for. I'd like to say that Google thinks I'm 44 to 64 years of age. I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> because I'm only 45, right? Um, and I am highly interested in family and helping professions. Yay, right, that would work. Um, uh, also, apparently I'm shopping for a new car. <laughs> Which if you've seen the car I've driven and um, it makes sense, right? Um, I think you would agree with me that Google seems to be this all-knowing piece. Now our scripture passage today is fascinating. Uh, Genesis chapter 11, um, we have what really appears to be a great building project, right? How many times have we thought, you know, as uh, improvements come through, whether they're uh, part of the highway or they're part of um, the um, employment opportunities around us or whether it's a new park or a new school, we go, yes, now we will have it all, right? So you have these folk coming together and deciding that they will use one language and that they will use one project and that they will bake bricks uh, in the sun, that's an interesting technological addition that Genesis puts in there. And they begin building, and the project is to build a tower so that they might reach heaven. Now the English is a little bit fuzzy here. Uh, really what the, what the Hebrew is saying is um, so that we might assault heaven, conquer heaven. It's fascinating, right? Um, when we wonder and think about what we can do together, you'd think this is a pretty good project, right? That we have one uh, language and that we have one uh, purpose. Why in the world would God come down and start messing with what's going on? Well, it might be that assault heaven issue. Um, now, there is some archaeological uh, truth in a lot of what's going on. Um, you could place the Shinar Plain in, uh, outside of Babylon. Uh, that would be kind of that um, Iraq, kind of Baghdad area. And then on that Shinar Plain, there are evidences of what's called ziggurats. Um, it's not just a fun word to say, but it's actually a, a pyramid of sorts with uh, kind of right angles and bricks baked in the sun. Um, and the idea on these projects were similar to the pyramids or to any other skyscrapers or Trump Tower, right, you name it. This kind of to be the tallest and to be the most prestigious. And uh, written into the idea of the ziggurat is if you could get high enough, you could take over heaven, right? Um, what's fascinating then is that God is paying attention and that God says, huh, we probably should go down there. Now, you notice the we, right? Come, let us go down. Whoa, 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 wait, right? How much have we spent in time and talent and energy talking about how we serve one God, right? Jesus and the Holy Spirit haven't necessarily showed up in the narrative. They're there, but not in the narrative. But we get this come, let us go. Who is God talking to, right? I, I've often thought that it's okay to talk to yourself just as long as you don't start responding, right? 
come let us go down. Um, some scholars would say that this is a holdover of the royal we. And if you think back to kind of any movies or stories about kings, right? Come let us go down, right? This kind of inflated uh, kind of uh, presence, right? If anything, God has uh, warrant and um, you know, credibility uh, to, to encounter that or inhabit that kingly like role. And so God comes down and he scatters the people and he gives them different language, right? This is fascinating. Scatters them all over the world. And there's this strange piece, I don't know, for you or for me, that as I read the story, I think, why? We could have done so much together. We, we spend so much of our time trying to be, um, you know, one, right? One nation, right? Um, we, we try to, I remember in high school, we try to learn all the same um, uh, cheers so that the people on the other side of the field could hear us, right? We, we, we work so hard in making sure that we have one unitary voice. That why would God come down and stir that up? I think the answer for that is that um, the motives and purposes for why we might work together, the assault heaven. Um, the Hebrew for Babel, um, it, it actually had um, a, a kind of um, connotation of divine and connection before the Tower of Babel happened. And then, you know, the, the Bible always likes to educate us about why things are named what they are and why words might change, right? We, we hear about Jacob becoming Israel. We hear a whole lot of things, um, Cephas and Peter, Saul and Paul, right? You can name all the places where things get changed names for interesting reasons. The word Babel gets changed, the definition itself, and it becomes the place where they were confused. It's fascinating. I, I um, um, so I'm a Gen Xer. Um, you know, when I think about my child and uh, kids that are coming uh, into public school, in, into school at all, uh, kindergartners, they're zennials. The definition of a zennial is someone who has uh, never known life without the internet, right? Um, there's a particular movie that's coming out. It's uh, called Eighth Grade. I think Anthony was telling me about it. And, and it's kind of like all those things that are challenging about junior high, but then you mix in technology with it. And so you've got this one girl who's trying to make friends with the other girls, they're all standing together and she says something like, hey, great, y'all can all come over to my house this weekend. I'd be so excited to have you. And all the girls have their phones out. And then they hear the silence and they pull their phones down and they go, what? It's kind of the world that we live in, right? Um, it's true among adults as well. Um, I've been um, amazingly impressed. If you go into a restaurant, you can see families all over the place in an attitude of prayer until you look over the booth and you see that they're not praying. <laughs> they're looking at their phones. Technology. Is it, our, is it our servant or is it our master? The things that we can do with technology are amazing. You can ask technology anything. I've gotten to the point in my family when people ask questions about how far is it to such and such? Is such and such open? How much does this cost? Where do we go to get? I just say, Google it, right? I mean, it's kind of like your favorite IT professional. When you call them and say something's wrong with your computer, they ask you, have you turned it off and turned it back on again? <laughs> We've gotten to the place to where that trivia is so well known that you just Google it. Is it become our servant or has it become our master? 
I think when I think about um, the power of technology, when I think about um, you know, what Google can and cannot do, and whether we need an all-knowing God if we already have an all-knowing uh, Google, is that when we think about the things that we can ask, some of those questions that we might want answers to um, are, are hard for Google to answer. That we need relationship and not just knowledge. That we need wisdom and not just facts. You know, um, uh, the question, should I quit my job? Should I take that job? What am I called to be? What should I use my life for? Should I marry this person? What do I say to my child who has wandered from the faith? How do I break the power of sin in my life? Why cancer? Why death? Why divorce? Did you hear the air get sucked out of the room? That, that the questions that we can ask Google, and Google responds in so many milliseconds, but the questions of real substance for our lives requires relationship. And I would say not just relationship, but wisdom. And not just wisdom that makes us look, um, you know, kind of cute and fun at social activities, but the kind of wisdom that allows for transformation. I really think that technology is a great tool, but if we rely upon that tool for everything that we do, then we're missing out on a whole uh, you know, significant portion of life around us. I've said regularly in the last 10 years, as I've worked with clergy and I've been a part of church leadership and as a pastor in the United Methodist Church, that knowledge does not bring about transformation. It's the strangest thing. We send pastors off to seminary. We load them up with a lot of facts. And then we say, shepherd a church, right? Knowledge does not create transformation. I could give you all the stats. I could tell you all the best practices for churches that grow in today's culture and climate. But knowledge does not make transformation. What makes transformation is relationship. Uh, and, and really, to be honest, not just a relationship, but a strong relationship, a relationship of trust, of intimacy, a relationship that allows us to be vulnerable. I mean, the best kind of image for transformation is a recognition that the caterpillar becomes the butterfly, not because it read a good book, but because it was vulnerable by going into um, the cocoon, thank you. <laughs> See, Josh would have known that right there, right? <laughs> Into the cocoon. And, and really, to allow transformation to happen, you've got to be surrounded by relationships of trust that bring it about. I, I was struck by a particular uh, picture. Um, I wondered, uh, Jake, if you could put it up there. This is a picture, um, it, it, if you can't see it, it's a bunch of people with their phones out, and then a very sweet older woman who does not have her phone out. Now, internet um, legend and lore says that this picture is from Obama's um, uh, inaugural parade. And so everybody's got their phone out to capture the moment. But there's only one person that's letting the moment transform them. There's another wonderful picture. It was kind of making the rounds on Facebook this week. Uh, it's a picture of um, Tiger Woods in like 03 
It was the crowd, and Tiger Woods was kind of the new hot thing, right? And everybody was there in the stands watching him at his first major. And then the one below it was, I think, just a couple of months ago, and it was Tiger Woods. He's not the new hot thing. But the difference between the two pictures of the crowd, of the stands, is in 02, no one had their phone out. In 18, everybody had their phone out. What is it about us that we don't necessarily enter the moment to be transformed, but instead we spectate the moment? Um, I think it's interesting, um, um, as our kids grow up and they mediate their lives through screens, isn't it interesting that they mediate real life through screens when they see amazing things? It's almost like we don't know what to do unless there's a little battery signal and four bars and a stop and start button down there. I want to encourage you. Yeah, technology is wonderful. Yes, we should use all of it to make the world a better place. But be sure that it doesn't become our master. Still be the person who's willing to be transformed by the moment, to, to be able to sense the divine, to be able to give your life to Jesus, to be able to trust that the transformation that comes from that relationship with Jesus will be so much better than any movie, YouTube video, Vine, or meme. That if anything, it won't just give us a little bit of happiness and a chuckle, but rather it might transform our lives. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.